Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here, and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. I'm starting a new series this month called This is Home. Um, that is something that has been said by a lot of people here at Hope Unlimited that have made this their home church, their family. This is some of the language that we continually hear. This is home. And so this month I wanted to take just a few weeks to tell you what that means. Um, more than just you hearing it and seeing it, I want to tell you what it means. Because how many of you know that like you can say things and regurgitate things and they can oftentimes not mean anything? They're just words. But this actually means something to people at this church. It's actually becoming a part of our uh, logo that um, we are praying about, redesigning and all of that stuff. But this is home will definitely be a part of uh, Hope Unlimited Church moving forward. I don't know if you saw it on the wall. Brandon put that up, and I think if you tried to remove it, you would have, you would probably catch Brandon's hands. You would not catch these hands. You would catch his hands. And so, but I wanted to just take a few weeks to just to say what that means. So if you want to go with me this morning to Acts chapter 2. And then we may go to Ephesians chapter 1, but we'll start in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them and the, as the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and the money with those for those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity. All while, pra all while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you are doing here as you're creating a home for people, a place where they belong, a place where they're loved and accepted, cared for. Jesus, we love you today. In your name, amen. Jansen, you were good this morning. Do we almost have the same shoes on? We almost have the same shoes on. Mine, I Cloroxed mine this week, so yeah. I don't know if that's how you clean shoes, but I did it. So I'll probably be crucified for that after service. Everybody give it up for Jansen this morning. So the first thing that I just wanted to say out of the gate is I think a lot of times in church, we are so institutionalized 
And what I mean by that is that you can walk into churches, I can take you to churches where you walk in and it just feels wrong. Not that there's anything wrong going on, it's just not hospitable. Or there actually could be something wrong going on, yeah. So it's just the day and age that we live in. But it's not hospitable, it's cold, it's not welcoming. Um, There is strange things that happen that I'll get into later, but... The first thing that you need to know, and if you have your sermon notes, if you don't have your sermon notes, you can get online and see the sermon notes online, but there are sermon notes available for you every week. The first thing that you need to know about home is, number one, in your sermon notes, is that we belong. You belong. How many of you have ever felt like a place was your home, but also didn't feel like you belonged there. You've never felt that way before. It's impossible to feel that way, right? If something is truly home, you will always know that you belong there. If something is not your home, it will feel like you don't belong. The first thing that you need to know about your home is that you belong, and the first thing that you need to know about this church is that we all belong here. We all belong. We have, we, we have a place here. This is a place for us. So, since we need to know that we belong, the, thing, the first thing that you need to know is, is that I'm welcome. I'm welcome. Right? A lot of people, they go to churches continually week after week where they're just not welcomed, right? They are just a number, right? I've been a part of churches where people are just numbers. They're not people. They're not names. They're just a number. In staff meeting, they're just a number. Nobody cares about your story. They care about your tail being in a seat So that they can count it, send it to their friends, and say, we had this many people at church this weekend. Right? It's the equivalent of just having a concert up the street and having a bunch of people come. A guy gets up and plays a few songs. You may get a guy up and give a little short speech. And then you're gone. It's the same thing. But in a home, in in what I believe to be the Christian church, and what the Christian church is supposed to be, everyone is supposed to be welcomed. Everyone is supposed to be welcomed. We don't do, I'm not saying that Hope Unlimited doesn't do a great job of this. The Big C Church doesn't do a great job at making everyone feel welcome. We just don't, right? You have to be a certain way if you're going to be welcomed in most of the church in America. You either need to believe a certain way. You have a certain series of doctrines that you believe. You need to be a certain nationality or race, even in some churches. And that's just preposterous. It's crazy. The church is not made up of a bunch of people 
who all think, act, and look the same. There is one thing that we gather around, and that is Jesus. But you can be totally different and still belong to the church. Totally different than the person sitting right next to you and still belong to the church. You can have totally different interests. You can have totally different doctrines. Right? Do you know that the early church did not gather around doctrines? They did not. They had a few things only that they gathered around. Those things are actually on our website. <laughs> the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. There were two things that they gathered around. Did you know that the creeds actually were before Scripture? So they didn't gather around the Bible. They gathered around the resurrected Jesus. That is what a family of believers is supposed to ultimately gather around. Now, you can have strange beliefs, <laughs> right? And if you want to talk about those, I'll tell you that they're strange, right? But that doesn't mean that you don't belong to the church. That doesn't believe that you don't belong here. And also, too, if you've ever thought about this, for people who have never been a part of church, the church has done a terrible job at reaching those people specifically and making those people feel welcomed because we have Christian lingo that you have to catch up to in the big church. And we have all of that stuff, Christian lingo. And that's all that it is because most of the time when people say, they want something, they can't define what they actually want. Let me give you a good one. We want revival. We're hungry for revival. What does that mean? What does that specifically mean, that you're hungry for revival? Do you want to see a bunch of people saved? Right? There's maybe one translation of revival. If you're charismatic Pentecostal, what that means is, is you need to see evidence of people pursuing God, which most of the time means tongues or falling out in the floor. And if you have either of those two things, all is good. But then the problem is, is that sometimes in the Christian circles and in Christian cultures, if you don't do those things or if you don't have those things, then there is a sense of you are not a part of this. And that there is a sense of you are missing something here. You're missing something. I know people who are way more spiritual, and not even more spiritual, who are way more Christian, who have never fallen out on the floor and don't even know that tongues exist. Right? So, we have a lot of times when we are trying to welcome people into church in the family of God, we have certain checklists that they need to meet before they're welcomed. That's not going to be this church. Ever. Ever. Right? You can have some jacked up theology still come to church here. Now, I'll probably mess with it. And I'll probably take some shots at it from time to time. But I still love you. And you're still welcome here. You're still welcome to be a part of this. 
You do know that you don't have to agree with everything that I say or believe to be a part of this church. You don't. Right? You just don't. The second thing that you need to know, if you belong, when you go to a place that you belong, you need to know that, you need to know this, I am loved. You need to know that. You're deeply loved by God and us. And it doesn't matter what you are currently living like. And it doesn't matter what you're currently doing. And it doesn't matter what Christian culture has said that you should do or said that there is a way that you should be. It doesn't matter. You're deeply loved by God and by us no matter what here. That's what being a home means, right? That's what this being a home means, that you are loved by us no matter what. Could you imagine? I want you to imagine the, oh, Jesus. Don't need to go there. I want you to imagine this. Could you imagine if Beckham decided one day that he just believed something different than me? Right, 14, 15 years old. And even when he gets 20 and 25 years old, he probably will believe something different than me. Could you imagine if my love changed for him based off what he believed? I hope that you would say, you're a bad dad. (laughs) I hope that you would say that. Because just because you believe something differently than me doesn't mean that I stop loving you. And let me just say this. Just because you may currently believe about something, something about God that is not true doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean that you aren't welcomed here and loved by these people. Right? Everyone has believed something stupid about God at one point in their life. And if you think that you are the person who's never believed something stupid about God, you probably are believing something stupid about him right now. (laughs) How many of you would say, I believe the same things, I believe the same things now that I believed 10 years ago about God? Nobody says that. I talked about this a little bit last week. It's because you were continually seeing Jesus more clearly on your road to Emmaus. And as he reveals himself to you, and you begin to see him more clearly, you change. You change in what you think. One of the things that I have found that I have been so fortunate, I was introduced to the church with a bunch of things that were really, 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 really stupid. Right? I was introduced to the church in just some things I've just like, today I look back on them like, why did I ever even think that was remotely good, right? It's, good. it's just called the law of first thought. What you're first told, you believe. That's why it's good to have second thoughts. But in Christian, Christianity, we just call that doubting, right? We call that doubt because you question the first thing that you ever hear. We just call it doubt, and if you have doubt, then, oh, God, you're going to hell, right? But today... I believe things totally different about God than what I believed 10 years ago. I believe things totally different about God than what I believed, some things totally different about God than what I believed a year ago. Because as you continue to see Jesus more clearly, you change. 
That's what it is. You're loved, right? The last thing, you're accepted. If you are going to belong to a home, you're going to be accepted, right? And it doesn't matter what, you, what kind of life that you're living. You are accepted. Acceptance means I embrace you no matter what. No matter what. Now, if you're a serial killer, we're going to call the cops, right? We're going to call the cops. You're going to jail, okay? We still love you, and God can still change your life. But we're going to hug you, and me and Stephen are going to hold you until the cops get here, okay? But no matter what you're doing, where you're at, what you've been through, what you've gone through, you need to know I am accepted. I am accepted. Let me read this to you. Ephesians chapter 1. Even before he made the world, talking about God, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus. He decided that in advance. So before you were born, he decided that. This is what he wanted to do, and it brought him great pleasure. That's a tough one there. That's a tough one for people who believe that somehow they are separated and far off from God. You didn't get a choice in this. He chose you way before you ever chose him. You don't have a choice. He chose you. Right? You don't get to tell God what he can do and not do as it pertains to the creation that he made. So he picked his creation. Before you decided to pick him, he picked you. That's the good news of the gospel. He picked us. He chose us. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples? You didn't choose me. I chose you. That's the good news of Jesus. Because if it were up to you, you would deny him over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Good thing it's not up to you. Good thing the work of salvation is not up to you. <laughs> right? Good thing. Because if it was, you, you're going to hell <laughs> if it was up to you. That's the only way I know how to say it. You, wouldn't, you would fail at the work of salvation if it was up to you, right? So, because you've been accepted, because you're loved, because you're welcome, because you're accepted, you need to know this. Around here, we relax. In a home, we relax. This is not about perfection or performance. You can relax, right? I did not feel great today. I have not felt great in a minute. Actually, so not only today, but yesterday and the day before and the day before that and the day before that. All week last week. And I was like, man, I'm just not going to really be my best self this morning. I do feel like going to church. I'm not going to be my best, though. And look, I've been writing this sermon this week. I'm not up here to perform for you. I'm not. If you want me to preach you into a frenzy, this is the wrong church. I'm not preaching you into a charismatic breakthrough. I'm not. I refuse to do it. 
I'm not preaching you into a breakthrough. I'm going to preach Jesus to you, and that can be your breakthrough, right? I'm not going to preach to you a fake breakthrough, right? To make you think that you got breakthrough, but you didn't, right? I'm not going to preach you into storming the altar and busting your head open on the altar and repenting to God, telling God how sorry you are. And then we're just going to, yeah, that's going to fix everything. God, I'm so sorry. Let me hit my head on the altar some more. And then you'll get a breakthrough. That's not the way it works. That is literally... Again, I know I said this a few weeks ago. That's like Harry Potter type stuff. I do this, God does this. I wave the wand, and then God does this. No. God is working in you, always. In the altar, in your seat, in the car on the way home, everywhere. It's not because, this is not transactional. God is not a vending machine. If you pray hard enough, you're going to get a breakthrough. No. Right? And then the, an even worse thing, which I'm seeing now, is this perverted view of rest where it's like, we are going to work so hard to rest our way into this. <laughs> there has been a like, a like a rest movement hit the body of Christ. Have you guys noticed that as of recently? But if you hear them in their tones... They are working so hard to rest. They're exhausting themselves to rest. That's not rest. That's not Sabbath in God. You are not taking a rest. You're just doing the same thing that you used to do and just call it rest. You're just doing it in a more relaxed state. It got really quiet. <laughs> You're just relaxed and you think that one day you're just going to inherit all of this because you rest your way into it. That's not right either. That is also God being a vending machine. You rested so God gave you a breakthrough. Wrong. That's the same thing as you working and God giving you a breakthrough. It's the same thing. He is not a vending machine. He is always at work in you and in others. Always. There is never a time where God is not at work in you. Even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of evil, there is never a time God is not work, at work in you. Right? The Christian faith is actually built on the work of God in you. That is what the Christian faith is built around. Where most people believe that this is about my work, and what I can do so that God can then work in me. He didn't ask you. He chose you and adopted you before you were born. So he didn't ask to save you. And a lot of times he's not going to ask to work in you. Right? And you can't. God is not a vending machine. You can't rest your way into this. You can't relax your way into this. But what you can do here, you need to know this. I can breathe, right? I can breathe. Lots of times in Christian culture, you just need to sit back and take a deep breath and stop 
Just like literally, just stop. Stop everything that you're doing. Like some people, literally, the best thing that they could do is just start walking with Jesus again. Just scratch everything that they have believed before and just start over. Scratch it all, right? Don't look back. Burn every bridge and just start over. And I mean burn every bridge to every way of life that you thought was right before. Burn it all. Burn it to the ground. And build your faith on Jesus. This is the beauty of what deconstruction is. There are dangers with deconstruction. But why deconstruction makes people so uncomfortable? Because it lights a match to everything that you have believed except the person of Jesus. It lights a match to it. And it all goes up in smoke. And that is the best place for you to be. A faith with only Jesus left. That's why I actually encourage people. Deconstruct everything that you believed about God except what you can find in Jesus. Do away with it. Every practice, do away with it. Except what you can find in Jesus. And then build your faith on that. You can relax. You can breathe. Right? This is not about performance. It's not about you being perfect. You can be real. Right? Something else you need to know. When you look back over these notes, you need to read, I can be real. I can be my real self because everyone has issues. You ever met, met those people who think that they don't have issues? I have to go confess my anger to God about them on a weekly basis because they are insufferable. I imagine those people as I am training jiu-jitsu on Tuesday and Thursday nights. I'm serious. This is their face, and I am going to pass their guard, and I'm going to put my shoulder in their chest until they cannot breathe anymore. And so I have to go to confess to God. I just said I can be real. I'm being real with you. And everybody's like, oh, my God. You see why? This is the problem with the church. I'm trying to be real. And I, was like, I cannot believe that he did that. My point is being made. Jensen, come on up. We're going to the house. I can be real. I can be messy. Right? You can be messy. Let me tell you this, though. God does not want you to stay that way. You can be messy. God does not want you to stay that way. God wants healing for you, and he wants you to walk in wholeness. And he wants you to walk in union with Jesus and other people. Right? He wants to heal you from your mess and your pain. Could you imagine? Imagine knowing... Just, just how many of you are familiar with the story of the prodigal son? Pretty familiar. If you've ever been in church for ten and a half minutes, you know what it is. 
had one of my friends tell me the other day, he called me and I asked him, what was your first sermon? He was like, I was 12. And he was like, it was the prodigal son. I was like, great. He was like, I'll be honest with you. It was not in the bottom 10 sermons ever preached at that church. And I was like, well, praise God. It was Wesley. Yeah. Yeah. He has issues and y'all need to pray for my friend Wesley. He has problems. Lots of problems. If he's watching this, whatever. You can be messy. God doesn't want you to stay messy. Here's how I know how. In James, literally, the scripture says this. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. God wants to heal your mess. He wants to heal that stuff. Everything going on in you that's not right, and by right, I mean in the perfect alignment with God's will and plan for your life to be complete and whole, he wants to heal that, right? So here's the, here's the part about it that I, I really wanted to get to. For home to be what it's designed to be, we have to engage. You have to engage. For home to be what it's designed to be, you have to engage. How do you engage? Think about your, your home right now. The first way that you engage is just by being present. Being there. In the moment, being present. And at church, you know what that means? For this to be a home and for it to do the healing work that God wants to do in you, you need to be present here to Jesus and to others. That's what that means. The best thing that you can do for yourself is be present on a weekly basis with other believers. That is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Right? Christianity that is deconstructing away from the church, you're missing the point of deconstruction. You're missing the point. You're not deconstructing you're a mad former evangelical turned TikTok theologian. The, the purpose of deconstructing is to go back to what they had in the early church. It's not to be just mad. I don't want to deconstruct if you're just mad. Because I don't want to be mad. <laughs> I would really like to be happy. I've, I've almost... I've almost labeled the, this new form of deconstruction in the same category as I have, like Calvinists. They're just always upset. You don't know why. They're just always upset. Right? If you're going to deconstruct, I'm cool with you burning everything to the ground. I'm cool with it. Burn it all to the ground. And then build your faith on the person of Jesus. And Jesus says, I have zeal for my father's house. I have zeal for the temple. I'm going to the temple. I am passionate about gathering together with people. Even Jesus was passionate about gathering together with people. He did not just seclude himself off into the mountains and say, I got this all figured out. No, he was as human as you and me. And he come into the fellowship of, of people's lives just like you and me. Right? Engagement almost means that you're act, it also means that you're active in church, right? You engage during worship. 
You worship during the time that we are having worship. You engage when we have a speaker up here preaching, whether it's me or not. What does that mean? You lean in, you listen, you take notes. Because this isn't supposed to just stay here, right? It's supposed to help form you into everything that God's created you to be. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, everything at this church will always, it will, everything at this church will not always be perfect. I'm telling you from the get-go, it will not always be perfect. It will not always, we do things now that I don't prefer that we do. This isn't about me. This is bigger than me. I am not seated on the throne here calling all the shots. There are some shots that I will call if need be. But my job is to shape us into the image of Jesus. It's not to call shots, right? Now, I can if I need to, but I don't even want to. I don't even want to. I just want to preach, love people, and help mold this community into the person and the people, that, the, the persons that we are called to be. That's what I want to do. You can engage you engage in your house by being present to Jesus and others. You also engage in your home by lifting the burdens of other people, right? If you've ever belonged to a home and you and your spouse or you and your kids or you and your family, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, how many times, I mean, how good does it feel when your spouse lifts the burden of something that you're responsible for off your shoulders. That is exactly what you're called to do in the church with other people. When other people are burdened, lift the burden in any way that you can. Right? Lift the burden in any way that you can. There's a, not a lot of people know this, but there is, there's two churches that meet here other than us on Sunday. We have the lease on the building, but they come to us and be like, Pastor Cole, we don't have a place to meet. We literally do not have a place to meet. Nowhere will let us rent for this cheap. Um, we don't have a place to rent. One of them came to us to do that, and then I just called the other person because I knew that they were in trouble and were going to lose their church. And I literally told them, my purpose as a church, our purpose as a church is not to build the brand of Hope Unlimited. You can use our church on Sunday, right? I'm not going to get upset if you put signage up outside with your church's name on it. Just take it down after you're done, right? I'm not going to get upset if you do that. But what I did see is that there was a burden on other people, a part of the bigger church, and we lift that burden for them, right? We help carry some of the weight that they cannot carry themselves, that is also a part of our responsibility in engaging. We lift burdens. Last thing. If you want your home to be a home, there has to be love there. And so the last way that you engage is by loving, loving people. Loving God and loving people. This will not be what it's supposed to be unless we have love in our hearts for God and people. It will never be what it's supposed to be. This is not like, 
Also, too, like I want to make this clear. This is not like an event that you come to on Sunday. Church is not an event. It's not an event. It's not where you're coming and you're going to come here and you're going to experience something while you're here and you're going to go home after. That's what happens at an event. You have an experience and then you go home. Church is not that. It's not an event. This is a place where we are coming to meet to see Jesus more clearly week to week and then to see others as God sees them. That's why we come to meet here. Because when we do that, we are formed into the image of God. Formed into the image of Jesus. And anything that is keeping you from being formed into the image of Jesus, you can scratch it, right? You can scratch it. You can take it out of your life. It's not important. It's not relevant. It'll make you uncomfortable, but that's what following Jesus is. A lot of times in America, we just follow Jesus on our own terms. We follow Jesus on our own terms. We never allow him to challenge our beliefs. Have you ever read? So next month, I'm going to announce this in this second. Next month, in the month of November, we do a series all month about money. Have you ever read what Jesus had to say about money? It's pretty challenging. It's pretty challenging. It's pretty tough to read. Especially if you have greed in your heart, then it really is tough to read. Have you ever, have you ever read what Jesus said about actually following him? Like actually coming to be a part of his life? Jesus says, come and follow me. And the disciple looks at him and said, hey, my dad died. And Jesus said, yeah, let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. Jesus is not conforming to your way of life. He's not. Jesus is and is transforming you into him and his way of life. And if you come here on Sunday morning and treat this like an event, you will never experience that last part. This is not just an event. You know how long Christians have been doing events for 50 years. Specifically, we got event heavy in, in the 2000s. Go to an event. An event will fix it. And then when an event doesn't fix it, then you have what you have now. An entire generation of people saying, I don't want anything to do with that faith. Because the event that you said would fix it didn't. And it won't. Because it was never designed to. What God's plan is, and always has been, is not events. It's people who belong to a family and a local group of people that gather together that break bread with one another, that see Jesus clearly, 
and continue to see him more clearly as they grow in him and together. And so this morning when I was preparing, you know, to come to church, I was like, this is not going to be my best Sunday. And I just heard the Lord correct me. It never has to be your best Sunday. This is not about your best Sunday. Because this isn't what church is to begin with. If I never preached a good sermon again, there would still be reason to belong here. Hopefully I can preach a good sermon again one day. But there would still be reason to belong here. If you're going to gather and be a part of this church because of someone's gift and ability, you're, you're gonna, this is going to be miserable for you. Because we're not exalting gifts and abilities around here. Even though we have gifted people and talented people, we're not doing that. This is about Jesus. And if people with those gifts and ability ever make it about them, well, we just won't let them use their gifts and abilities. Because we won't create idols. And we won't do church as, we won't do church as it has been done for the past 50 years. We've missed it. And church leaders should get up and humbly say, we've missed it. We need to redirect. We need to stop doing what we're doing because we missed what this is supposed to be. We missed it. I have missed it. I, me, Cole, I've missed it. But I'm saying that this place is returning to being a home for people that can come from anywhere. No matter your age, race, sexual orientation, what it is, no matter what, you can come here and you can receive from Jesus and you can be loved by us.